Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. evening, my wonderful listeners. It is I, William Powell, the KDOC, that's King of DC Media, internationally known, nationally respected, and locally appreciated. Welcome to this episode of Inside Acting, in which I will welcome Paul Kiriazzi, the author of the Complete James Bond Lifestyle Seminar. Paul is also a director, and he has a lot to say about acting, directing, and living that James Bond lifestyle. Before we get to Paul, I want to go back in time and actually take a look at an excerpt from a book called The Life of Ian Fleming. Now, Fleming, for those of you who don't know, was the creator of James Bond. And I'm going to read a quick excerpt of how Fleming brought the first James Bond novel to print. It was a novel called... Casino Royale. There was a movie of uh, that title some years ago. And I quote, The process of getting the book to the publisher was painfully slow. It was nearly two months before he let an editor named Palmer have his dog-eared and heavily corrected manuscript. And when he did so, he accompanied it with a note of eager self-deprecation, telling Palmer that he had not sent him the book earlier because he was really thoroughly ashamed of it. But fortunately, this editor, Palmer, 
knew Fleming too well to pay over Monk's attention to the twistings of his serpentine ego. He read the manuscript and quickly uh, ignored Fleming's veto on showing it to another soul and passed it on to one Daniel George. In July 14, 1952, the first fan letter about James Bond was written. Daniel George wrote to Palmer, my dear William, I sat up till 1.20 a.m. last night. Casino Royale made me sit up. It was so exciting that I could persuade myself that I was back at the old Baccarat, and the vodka and caviar were so delicious that I tolerated the abominable condition of the typescript. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I want to have a quick reading of a quick excerpt from, from Russia with love and then we're going to get into the complete James Bond lifestyle seminar we're going to get into the reason why Paul uses James Bond as a a paradigm but before we get to that here's a quick little excerpt from from Russia with love this is the scene where there was a cat fight and there was a big uh, there's a big fight and explosions and all that good stuff but before we get to that let me just read this little excerpt Two girls circled slowly, their teeth bared, and their breath came harshly. The light glinted off their stomachs and off their hard, boyish flanks. Their feet left dark sweat marks on those white stones. Again, it was the big girl, Zora, who made the first move of a sudden forward leap, and arms held out like a wrestler's. But Vita stood her ground. Her right foot lashed out in a furious coup de savat that made a slap like a pistol. The big girl gave a wounded cry and clutched at herself. At once, Vita's other fit, foot kicked up to the stomach, and she brought herself in after it. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And last but not least, this is an excerpt from the James Bond Lifestyle Seminar. And Paul wrote, Why was Bond a different hero than, say, Rambo, Dirty Harry, or Rocky? It finally clicked. Before Bond goes on a mission, he's usually at a resort hotel, casino, or lying in a boat with Sylvia Trench with a bottle of Don Perignon hanging from a string in the river. Before Rambo goes on a mission, he's in prison or on some mountaintop temple fighting for his daily bowl of rice. Dirty Harry lives in a dark, cheap apartment, a rocky and a cheaper one. That's it. Bond is not only a man of action, as all heroes are. He is a man of leisure. Yes, leisure. I like the sound of that. That suits my style. I always like work, hard work on movies and, movies and writing, anyway, and playing hard in places like Las Vegas, concerts, movies, amusement parks, and resorts. From that time on, everything I learned about successful lifestyle I framed in terms of James Bond, every category of lifestyle from budgeting my money to travel to my apartment to business would have James Bond as the foundation. So let me go ahead and bring on Paul. Konnichiwa, Paul. Welcome to the show. Konnichiwa, William. Yes, indeed. I'm here uh, in Tokyo where they filmed uh, You Only Live Twice in 1967. Good to talk to you. Yes. How's the weather out there? I'm looking out my window where I could usually see Mount Fuji, uh, about eight inches tall, uh, that kind of perspective. But it's snowing. It's beautiful snow right now, snow falling, which is uh, it's beautiful to me because I'm, I'm from California. It didn't see much snow. Right. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that because here in D.C. we got practically a, a blizzard. It was about we got about seven or eight inches uh, today, and uh, about another two tonight. Yeah, here it's uh, snowing uh, many places there in America. Yep. So you talk in your book about the power of words. How can actors use the power of words to improve their careers? Well, you know, uh, as I've, I've, I did a lot of study on the power of the subconscious mind, and I, and I got into that study because I wanted a freelance career, writing, directing. I did do some acting uh, college. I was introduced. I took some classes with uh, method acting, Stanislavski method, and to help me as a, as a director. So the power of words, you know, in the beginning there was the word, but the subconscious mind is so sensitive, and the more I live and the more I study, I see how sensitive it really is. So the words you say, you know, you've heard of self-talk, they, they program us. Um, so, you know, even Anthony Robbins has a, has a word list where you change uh, weaker words to power words. Uh, one thing I learned from, uh, working with um, Ed Kookie Burns from 77 Sunset Strip, I directed him an audio book, and in the script, uh, he was in Las Vegas, and I would always say room, and he changed it to sweet, you know, a little more, a little more <laughs> powerful. So, so that's, a, that's a good example. We have, we have to watch our words, especially uh, going from the, the positive, um, um, you know, more to the positive side than the negative side. Absolutely, absolutely. So how can actors use the year cycle? You talk about the year cycle in your book. How can they use that to set goals? Well, you know, it's very interesting. In America, uh, traditionally, New Year's is the year cycle, and traditionally people will party and often get drunk and go into the New Year, uh, you know, semi-conscious. When their the subconscious <laughs> mind, I was taught, is is very sensitive to the year cycle. It knows when a new cycle is beginning, as well as the birth cycle, your birthday cycle. So you get two chances where the subconscious is very sensitive. Now in Japan, what they do, as opposed to America, they um, they they go to a temple on on New Year's Eve or even New Year's Day. They have a, a big bonfire where you take your old old calendar and your old things and you throw it into the fire to see the old disappear and get ready for the new. Plus, they clean their houses uh, just before New Year's Eve. So there's a refreshing uh, thing there as opposed to the party. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's two chances. So the birth cycle and the year cycle, that's the time, you know, especially for us freelancers, actors and, and artists, we're trying to survive freelance. We're trying to renew ourselves, which is important to do. And uh, New Year's, we get that new calendar. You make a plan for the year. I remember Jim Rohn saying, uh, never start your year until you finish your year, meaning plan it out. So um, uh, those are two, two, two good times to um, refresh and reinvent yourself. Absolutely. Now, another thing that you touched on is there's a magic age that actors, and uh, not just actors, but anybody should really look out for when it comes to, to following their dreams. 
and that is the age of 26. What is it about the age of 26 that's just so so dangerous for people in their dreams? Yes, uh, it's, it's it's kind of opposite of magic. It's a it is a dangerous age. I just happened to notice. I I was I was making films through high school and college, and um, and I did I did 16 millimeter movies. Got into film festivals, but I was in the the film department. So all my friends, they were actors, uh, writers, directors, and they all had their dreams of you know producing prod projects and on that line. And then I noticed uh, I did one feature film and uh, shot it in black and white and couldn't sell it and had a lot of problems. And that was kind of like everybody's hope. I was the one guy who produced, put up the money, and made this movie and in technoscope but black and white and uh when that failed uh you know i tried to get another one going and i noticed everybody dropping out but not not just of my you know following what i was doing but also their own own dreams and pretty soon i was pretty much alone and i I thought about it's age 26 and i thought about that later age 26 Mm. well what is that it was like well two years after college you know college is great because you're with people that have all these ideas i'm going to write a book i'm going to do this i'm going to live in hawaii which is which is great all these dreams and they give it a shot for two years and then it's either their girlfriends their wives and even the parents at age 26 uh talking the person out well you took your shot now you should uh, get a regular job and um that's when that's when people drop out and i and i wondered why because i was so movie crazy still am and I wondered why, and I was walking out of Pier 39 on San Francisco. I remember it vividly, and there was kind of a magic joke shop. But in the window, there was a sign, and it was supposed to be like a joke sign, but it was actually the truth. And the sign read, I feel so good now that I have given up all hope. And huh. yes, when you when you give up to see, when you have that dream, there's that disappointment, there's that fear of failure there's that risk there's that frustration there's the financial pressure but when you give up all hope oh great now i can just be comfortable and so now you know to your listeners you should always have a job it'd be you know good work ethic make that money to survive uh, you know pay for that apartment so you can go out on uh, on acting um you know possibilities or, or, or right trying to raise money you should always have right. a job but don't give up the dream mm-hmm. and be careful age 26 two years after college it seems and everybody yeah. agrees with me when i mention it but i didn't know it was happening at that time when it was happening mm-hmm. why should actors never say the words i'm busy well there's um yeah it's you know Roy Schneider, Roy Schreider of the movie Jaws. Mm-hmm. He gave an acting seminar, but he said something uh, very powerful. He says this is a business of showing up. You show mm. up to the set enough times, you get to know the people, and and you you get elevated from there. Gene Hackman uh, mentioned also, uh, don't go to your trailer. You know if you have a trailer between shots, stay out on the set. And and be part of it, you know, watching whatever yeah. they're doing, fixing the set and lighting. So, and and the busy thing, it's it's too, uh, it's too abrupt. Just a general politeness for anybody in any fields. You know, you ask me to go to your party, and I say I'm busy. 
well, we're all busy, you know. I'm busy when I'm taking a bath, you know. So right. it's, it, try to try to say, hey, I would answer, oh, I'd really like to go to your party, but I got several appointments uh, on that day, and I I can't I can't do it. The same with I'll try. I'll try means like, well, maybe I'll go mm. to your party unless something better comes up. So wow. eliminate I'm busy yeah. and I'll try. Give a give a longer little longer explanation of why you can't make that person's event yeah yeah absolutely that's right that's right we're all busy we're all very busy so now what's the key to uh actors being professional on the job well it's you know on any job in fact for any job if somebody wants to be in the top 10 percent they've they've calculated first of all showing up at work whatever the work is showing up in a 30-day period like only 70 people 70 percent of the people show up all the time they either have a sick day or they had some appointments on time it's like only 80 percent show up every day on time and the other to be in a higher group only 10 percent of the people show up on time ready to work you know they show Mm. up you know, but they they got to use the restroom. They got to do whatever. You know, so show up on time, ready to go, and, and especially for the, for the actors because the producers got that money clock uh, ticking. And um, I remember one time doing a local uh, film called Omega Cop in uh, Stockton, California. Used a local makeup uh, uh, young woman, and she was so excited to work on on that picture. We had Stuart Whitman and Troy Donahue and Adam West from uh, the Batman TV show. And right. A lot of special effects. The special effects man from Bonnie and Clyde worked on it. So she was happy. It was a, it was a 21 day shoot, you know, and and we got it done. But the last week, she kept showing up later and later. Well, you know, makeup's the first thing that's necessary right. for the actors. <laughs> So one time, the makeup lady didn't show up, and unfortunately, the actors knew their makeup, and the makeup was there. They did it themselves. So she shows up with a big smile, carrying a pizza to with all her other friends that were on the set. So I, I told my assistant director, well, she showed up late, ready to eat, <laughs> one out of three. <laughs> but I didn't say anything, because at that point, you know, we had three days to go, so... Uh, you know, I just didn't say anything. Don't you know? Just let her do do the makeup from there on. So, mm. so yeah, show wow. up on time, ready to go, and you'll be in the top ten percent of any field. That's right. That's absolutely true. Now, there's a secret weapon that actors should have in uh, in business. What is it? Yes, uh, you know, you might you might uh, show up for a job. And um, you got to get you got to get to the set, or um, that's that's far away, and they didn't provide transportation, or you need to do something, and that the budget won't cover. You know, they say, well, mm. you know, we you know we can't pay you to do that, we can't pay that expense. Secret weapon that you're talking about: use your own cash. And a lot of mm-hmm. people, like businessmen, you know, you might want to entertain a uh, a businessman. Or another actor, and or or a possible producer. You want to take them out to to lunch, and your your business says, "Well, we we can't pay for the lunch." Well, if you think it's important, 
use your own cash and don't and don't do it in an ego way like well okay i'll pay for it no just do it and get the job done uh an example i was working on my third movie weapons of death and there was a high fall stunt and we got this guy usually this high fall would have cost five thousand bucks but this guy is going to do it for two and that would just fantastic make our film look much better and uh the producer wouldn't pay so i'm i'm just no thousand dollars. That's it, or don't we don't put it in the movie? So I went to the stuntman. I said, agree to the thousand, and I'll pay you a thousand myself, but just keep it a secret. And we got it done, and that stunts in the movie forever. And it was a special stunt and a special editing technique. When he hits the ground, I had a way of cutting to make it look like he really hit and zoom back. It was a technique I'd seen in a Chinese uh, martial arts movie that hadn't been used in America. And at that uh-huh. time. That was important to me, and I paid the thousand dollars myself. Nobody knew about it, and um, so when you when you have something that you think needs to be done or paid for, it comes up rarely. But when it does, that's uh, use your own cash. Oh yeah, that's that's a very good rule. You can get a lot done that way. Yes, and, and you don't have to get when you're in a deadline of what, whatever that has to be done. Uh, you can get you can get the job done if you have to. If an actress has to wants to get to some appointment and there and back, you know, be, be, between shots or whatever, it's an emergency. They don't want to pay for the taxi. Pay for it yourself. Absolutely. I want to talk about uh, James Bond. Uh, rule number four from your book: Improvise, adapt, and overcome. Now, what's some some stories from your your background as a director of 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 those three concepts? Yeah, when you know you could, as you know, acting, movie making on the set, you're all there's always sudden surprises, and I tell people. You know, and then people say, "Yeah, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for any challenges." But it's never the challenge you think. You know, you think <laughs> I'm ready for this. I'm ready for that. But oh, what's this? Oh no! So uh, one time, the sound guy uh, forgot the sound boom. On a, mm. on a, well, it was all shots. How did that board. happen? Oh, I don't know. He had his, he, you know, <laughs> and and the only way to mic it was a three uh, three or four people talking. The only way to mic him was was with a boom. You know, because it was a head-to-toe shot. There wasn't any way to get the microphone in there. And the, and the reason that that's a rule, improvise, adapt, and overcome, is it frees your mind up. Instead of just saying, oh, oh, heck, we're, you know, we can't do this. It's, you know, we're, we're in a bad place. We can't do it. Instead of having that attitude, if you have that improvise, adapt, and overcome, you know, improvise. So what we did, we found a we found a dead tree laying there with a long branch, and we tied yeah. the mic with um, tape, and the and ran the, the the mic cord down there and tied that with tape. So when we were doing the shot, the sound guy pulls this long branch and we mic'd it under uh, un, underneath and uh, uh, below the uh, foot line and. Uh, so there's there's an example. It's just a it's just a technique where you just don't quit. You know, you just don't give up. It, it opens your mind to, you know, so uh, we improvised and adapted that branch and overcame the challenge. And and what I do I with the James that. Bond Lifestyle guys is the first time you have a challenge you think you can't do or you might be 
you know, I'm too tired to do. You ask yourself, well, what would James Bond do? You know, right. And the right answer, the right answer is uh, going to come back. Now you've seen all his movies. He never once breathed a word about giving up. So he's right. not going to give up. Yeah, and he, you know, so what an actor, uh, actor does. They say the main problem for the actor is he or she is put in a very unnatural situation, and then they're told to act naturally. You know, <laughs> they, might, they, might, they might be in front of a rear screen with, uh, you know, with uh, 50 crew members around and uh, and have to do a love scene, and, and there's a guy's a microphone and somebody dropping rain on them, and then they're saying, you know, act act naturally. So what James Bond does, and his main talent, is he can call up his talent at will and deliver on a deadline. And that's mm-hmm. what an actor does, because you can be out there, oh, my God, like the movie South Pacific out in Hawaii. It was raining all the time. And then the clouds part just for, you know, 15 minutes, and they tell everybody, run out on the beach, and, you know, Mitzi Gaynor singing, I'm in love with a wonderful guy, and having, you know, they're sitting in the rain for three hours <laughs> under tents. Sun comes out, and they run out, and they got to call up their talent at will, and deliver on a deadline before that sun goes away. So they get this beautiful shot, and then it rains again, and they go running back into the tents. So that's uh, that. That technique is very useful for the actors. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to talk about the movie A View to a Kill. Now, I believe I read somewhere that you were actually an extra in there. How did you get that gig? Yeah, that was uh, made in uh, San Francisco. Part part of it was made, and there was a fire scene at uh, the city hall, and the fire trucks show up. Uh, James Bond's in there, uh, and it starts a fire, and the fire trucks show up, and there's a big ladder, and he climbs down. And there's one shot uh, where they're bringing a stretcher out the front door of the um, of the city hall, and you can see me very prominently. I'm wearing a white a zipper jacket and I didn't I didn't wear that for the reason I just showed up with one of my jackets and uh, I'm on the right right side uh, and it's pretty long it's a 10 second uh, sequence so uh, you can see me prominently in there but I was uh, one of the now here's the thing for acting success or being an artist it always works through who you know you know there's yeah you know the uh, it, the people say who you know, well, yes, and you have to know people, you have to connect. Obviously, Facebook has shown us it's the connections. But I had hired a Chinese-American actor to be in one of my movies, and then he, living in Chinatown and being prominent there, he got the job as extra wrangler for uh, uh, many movies, and including that James Bond movie to wrangle extras, and I got, uh, I got there two nights. A lot of fun, and uh, watching them film uh, that fire truck sequence and running under a hose spray of the you know the fire hose, and it was wonderful. I made some freelance money and and worked with my friends, and and uh, I didn't know that that shot would you know I'd be prominent in the the shot. I'm just an extra, but uh, that's how I got it. And you know that people talk about uh, the secret and where you meditate and pray and visualize. Well, that's all fine, but the universal force works through people. There's no lightning flash and a you know and a part appears for you to act in or 
magic phone call. The, the energy works through people. It's exactly. people that call you up to get you a job. So you got to go out and meet the people. And, uh, hey, I was, I was a director. That's another thing. I'm always me. I found out later. I, I saw other people when they're producing, they're this hot guy, and, yeah, I'm the producer. And then when they didn't have a job, it was like, oh, I'm so bad, I don't have a job. But I realized later I was always me. So if I'm directing, if I'm an extra, if I'm acting, I'm I'm still me, and my 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 value, my personal value, doesn't go up and down with the job I I have. And my career changed when I realized the idea. The uh, in the 40s and 50s, the train companies they were uh-huh. they were uh, very hot, and and 30s as well. But they didn't. They thought they were in the railroad company. They didn't think they were in the transportation business. So they didn't invest in trucks and airplanes and so they were left behind and I realized that I'm not just in the directing business I'm in the communication business and actors can do this too so I can direct features documentaries write uh, uh, books uh, teaching seminars I'm in the communication business and I I think an actor you know whether you're an extra, the star, the lead. You're helping somebody with a script. Uh, you're in the storytelling business. So we're in the communication storytelling business. And then my career uh, became better because I expanded to that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of look. You gotta look at the big picture. It's not just the, what's in front of you. It's it's not railroads. It's not cameras. It's not TV business. It's communication business and you got to look at the the larger paradigm yeah and and whether you're doing a big part or a small part or or independent movie or a studio movie uh you're still you and you're you're you know i made a contribution i was just an extra in the james bond film some guy some guy that i helped uh on the internet and i sent him one of my my bond audio books and on his own some guy was it italy and on his own he took, he he yeah. freeze framed the shot that I was in, put a title on it, said Paul Cariazzi in View to a Kill, and then he put a square on the actual shot of, from the movie. He put a square, a white square around me, and then he blew up that square to the right side to show my face more. And it was a nice gift. And and uh, and then later on, I used it, you know, as a as a kind of a fun tool, and I put that in my. Uh, my expanded uh, Kindle book. So there was a nice gift from a guy. I just thought, oh, yeah, that's fu- that's fine and cute. And then it became a tool for me. But I had helped him. You know, I just I sent him, I sent him my audio book, and uh, he just wanted to do that for me. Then I thanked him for it later. I said, hey, look, I'm using it all the time. So sometimes I use it on my Facebook. People friend me, and and I, I will say, I'll, I'll put the picture on their site, and I'll say, you know, thanks for the friend connection. And then I'll say... I co-starred with Roger Moore in a Bond movie. I got 11 seconds of screen time. I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> so they, yeah, they get yeah they get a laugh and they realize I don't have a you know big ego for it and and uh, it's kind of a you know icebreaker. So anyway, that's an example of about uh, you know you never know where uh, success and a tool will come from. 
Right, exactly. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about money. And this, I guess, not just uh, uh, for actors, but just anybody. There's a couple of concepts I want to talk about. You talk a lot in the book about this whole business about renting versus owning. And what, to, to you, is the significance of having kind of a renter, mental possessive mindset versus an owning mindset? Well, you said it exactly right, um, mental ownership. And, um, you know, having a second house and having a house is great. But I learned also, uh, you know, young people coming up, they, you know, can't afford a second house, and they say, oh, I wish I had a second house in Lake Tahoe. But if you take, if you go to a hotel in Lake Tahoe and take mental ownership of it while you're there, that is your second home. And if you want to buy a house in Lake Tahoe, you know, $300,000, you got to pay insurance and you got to worry about the weather or vandals and, and all of that. And when you check into, you know, when you check into a hotel, you know, they, they got everything there waiting for you, soap, shampoo, and towels. You know, when you check into a cabin, we, we go to your own cabin, what do you do? You carry cardboard boxes of cleaning supplies and right, food, yeah. you know. So so it's not when you, when you, so when you start taking mental possession of your favorite hotels and they become your second homes and you don't even have responsibility for them. If there's a crack in the window, you don't have to worry about repairing. You just call up and get another room. So now, now women have an easier time with that concept because us men, we like the pride of ownership, and ownership is right. good. But it's the livingness, you know, how to live the James Bond lifestyle. We have to think about livingness, you know, as as well as ownership. So it really gives you an empowering feeling to to think. Yeah, my second home up in uh, Lake Tahoe is Caesar's Palace in Los Angeles. It's the Universal Hilton, and and uh, you actually because it's you're actually living there when you're renting it, the room. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at things. I want to get into some lessons you've learned from the late great Anthony Norvell. Yes, Norvell. Uh, he was the um, counselor. To movie stars in the in the 40s and 50s, uh, even um, uh, coached Vivian Lee on on some things for um, you know when she was doing uh, Gone with the Wind and uh, worked with Elvis Presley. One of his things for actors. And this is really really good. He at his studio where he mm -hmm. counseled people, he had a raised circular platform raised about a foot with a singular light over it and he'd mm. have the actor stand up on that platform with the light shining down and be like a circle of light and he says this this is your powerpoint spotlights on you you're turned on you're you know you're you're sharp and said now before when you walk walk into a um, audition situation or walk into the set turn the light on in your mind turn the light and the platform on not in an ego way but but to energize yourself turn the white light on i know jack lemon would before every take he would say it's magic time and that would turn himself on but that was norvell's way to 
turn the spotlight on your mind, you know, so he would have him stand on that platform. So, um, yeah, I was able, he wrote the, um, uh, the Million Dollar Secret Hidden in Your Mind. It was the book that first turned me on to um, uh, career, you know, moving forward in my career and using the power of your mind, not giving up all those kind of techniques. And I found that book when my first movie bombed. I couldn't sell it, as I mentioned. And uh, I'll never forget finding that yellow book at the bookstore. And uh, he had a lot of techniques, like writing your, write a check out to yourself for being paid for a job that you want to do. And I wrote $5,000 for directing my next feature. And I carried it around for a while. And then I got my second uh, feature, a movie called Death Machines, that uh, got picked up by Crown International. I forgot about the check. And when I came back, when I came back home after finishing the movie on location, I thought, oh, yeah, where's that check? And I found it in my briefcase. I'd thrown it in there. And I thought, I wonder what I actually made. So I added up my salary, and it was I made uh, $4,800, which okay. was pretty close to that 5000 at that time was a lot of money, you know. So uh, maybe I should have written a bigger check. So that was one of the techniques yeah. um, that Anthony Norvell taught. And he was into the into the meditation, programming the mind uh, for success. And he had a thing called the, the Egyptian fire ritual where he had this big urn and, and people, usually there was 30 people in the class, but the one night he had that, out of the three months I was there, I mean, like 400 people came, you know, even from out of state, and they, they burn, you write your goal on a piece of paper, any goals you want, and the lights are out, and it's kind of a group meditation, and, and as the fire burns, he throws them throws the uh, papers into the fire. Now, this is exactly what they do in Japan. You know, besides burning your own calendars, you write your goals and you throw them in the fire. Well, what happens, you know, any businessman will tell you, you have a goal, write it down. It goes from the mental world to the physical world, which is pen and paper, ink and paper. Then when you burn it, it goes out back, you know, out into the spiritual world. And the subconscious mind knows that and will set about uh, you making the right choices, the right phone calls, the right contacts, the right actions. So those were a couple of the techniques that um, Anthony Norvell uh, uh, taught. And on that piece of paper, I wrote um, two hundred thousand dollars for my next feature film, and that was burnt. And I, I wrote continue, continue learning, and a few other things. And uh, I, that was in Los Angeles. Went back to San Francisco. Six weeks later, I had uh, um, the startup money, twenty thousand, from an investor to start my third movie, and the money came in. And while I was shooting, and never stopped shooting. So I guess what I wrote with the that the Egyptian fire uh, ceremony, where he also got special words from he said, off of uh, some pyramid in Egypt. Made it all very mysterious, but it was it was powerful. I had some lady playing some piano and singing some song, and it sounds a little hocus-pocus, but uh, it just shows you another technique for programming the subconscious mind. So that's the Anthony Norvell's uh, stories. That's fascinating. You got me really excited. This is some great, some great techniques. So uh, let's um, talk about the last, James Bond film Skyfall. What did you think about that? It was just wonderful. 
And uh, I did an article predicting that Skyfall would be the best movie. Well, they had they had that um, director um, Mendez, I believe, and uh, I, I knew he did a good job with the Tom Hanks movie where he played a gangster road to perdition. So I knew he was a very serious director. They had made Casino Royale, which was fantastic, and Quantum of Solace was a disappointment to many Bond fans and critics. So I knew this new director would work on the script, and he wouldn't start filming until he topped Casino Royale. It's difficult to make a movie, but in theory, it's not difficult to make a script that can top the last movie. And what happened on Quantum of Solace, there was a writer strike. So they didn't have a writer for rewrites. Daniel Craig said legally only the star, him, and the director could work uh, as, on the script. And, and Craig says, I'm no writer. So that's uh, why he claimed uh, that movie suffered. But um, for that Skyfall, the theme being Rebirth, the villain asked Bond, uh, what's your hobby? And Bond says, uh, uh, resurrection. I believe he said something like that. Uh, it was a whole thing about rebirth, and it's very energizing. Um, Bond kind of dies at the beginning, but he survives. And he comes back to work, and his, he can't shoot, and he can't. his exercise is difficult. And, and uh, it's all about rebirth, or reinvention. And then finally, very end... His boss, M, says, you ready to get back to work? And he says, with pleasure, yes, sir. So I there you go. I, I love that. And then the story itself was great. The villains, as you saw, everything. A lot of surprises uh, in that movie. So I, I was thrilled with that movie. Yeah, and the, the end was pretty much like every beginning that they had in the, those Bond movies in the in the 60s. He'd come in and throw his hat on the, the hat rack and, you know, flirt with Miss Moneypenny and the whole thing. We've got about two minutes left. Quickly talk about your uh, your upcoming lectures if you're coming to the, the U.S. here stateside and uh, where we can find your book and your audio novels and all that good stuff. Well, your listeners can uh, right now just go to Amazon, search James Bond Lifestyle, and just click the book, the look inside function. They can read the first 30 pages and see all the chapter headings and uh, and uh, decide if they, they want uh, more information. Well, what I like to end with the um, since it's an actor actor show. When uh, young actor uh, George Hamilton wanted to play the part of a, a rich man, he he got the part and he didn't know. He asked the director, "How do I act rich?" And he was about 25 years old. And the director told him, go to the, go to the bank, pull out $5,000, and put it in your pocket. So he did that, and he felt rich. He never pulled it out. It wasn't part of the script. But he knew that he had that money in there. And that's part of the empowering money technique uh, that's in the James Bond lifestyle. So there's a lot of actor information in that um, how to live the James Bond lifestyle now out, uh, updated for 2012 on Kindle, Amazon Kindle. Very good, very good. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It was great to have you. I mean, we could just talk all night about your your wonderful book and James Bond and uh, Law of Attraction and Lifestyle and all that great stuff. It was just fantastic to have you. 
Well, I enjoyed it. It was an empowering, uh, you know, phone call. Two people, you get two actors together or producers and directors and you talk, and that's, uh, that's more powerful than even programming your mind. It's energizing. Two or more gathered in the name, I guess, as they say. So it's great talking with you. Oh, likewise, likewise. Okay, well, you have a great week and a good day, and I will talk to you again soon. Okay, thank you, William. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. And let me leave you this quote from Goldfinger, the movie Goldfinger. James Bond says, my dear girl, there are some things that just aren't done such as drinking Don Perignon 53 above the temperature of 38 degrees Fahrenheit. That's just as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Good night. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.